0: There are a number of reasons why I am not into sport, numbers of them. One of the reasons is that in the 1970s, when all my friends were going to soccer matches, I didn't want to go. Let me tell you why. Number one, I wasn't that interested in soccer. I'm much more interested now than I was. But in the 70s, if you went to a soccer match, you risked your life. Because one team supporters would attack the other team supporters. And this would happen if they could in the arena itself or on the streets of whatever town you were going to. May I say I am not the heroic type. So I wasn't into supporting any great teams in that sense. What I did see was a mutual hatred of one team supporters to the other team's supporters. People lived for their team, and they lived to beat physically the supporters of the other team. We live in a world which often goes to a herd mentality, a gang mentality. All of us here know about gangs. There are gangs in different nations. There are gangs in different towns and cities. And you hear stories of these gangs. And some of these gangs not, don't just live for their gang, they live to beat the other gang, to be initiated in one gang. Sometimes you've got to shoot a gang member of another gang. It's kept going by division and hatred. We see the same in nations around the world. We include our own, of course. We saw just 20 years ago, the Hutu and Tutsi tribes in Rwanda seek to massacre one another. The only thing that counted was that you were of the other tribe. That's it. That's all counted. If you were of the other tribe, then you were dead. You were dead. That was it and today of course that continues with the whole discussion we have on race europe has had its race issues again 20 years ago in the balkans who would have thought after World War II, that such a thing would happen. The complications between the Serbs, the Bosnians and the Macedonians meant that if you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and of the wrong nationality, you two were dead. Once again, the echoes of Holocaust became a reality in 21st century Europe or 20th century uh, Europe probably uh, at that time. We're aware of the history of our own country. You hear about the the, uh, the fight for human rights. You know, one of my great uh, heroes is Martin Luther King. I just love him. I love him, and I do recommend the book. If you want an introduction to him, is the autobiography of Martin Luther King. And the great thing about it is he never wrote an autobiography okay but someone put together all the pieces all the pieces uh, from his sermons and from his letters and speeches that were autobiographical and put it in one volume it's a great you've read it tyler isn't it isn't it a great read it is a recommended read i do recommend uh, that especially at this time uh, where he calls uh, for love and uh, nonviolence as well society is filled with hatred and violence and fear. Even Wales has its history. For instance, Wales was always being invaded. We don't like being invaded all the time. We were invaded firstly by the Romans and then we were oppressed by the Anglo-Saxons. And then in the 11th century, after the Battle of Hastings, you remember Harold had the arrow in his eye, by the Norman invaders and later medieval monarchs like Edward III, who built his castles all over Wales, for which we're really thankful now because it brings in tourism. It's marvellous, marvellous. But not originally, it wasn't a good thing we were being genuinely oppressed there were laws against our language and our culture and of way of our way of life I was brought up and taught about what would happen uh, to people who spoke Welsh in school if you spoke Welsh in school you had to wear something called the Welsh knot and it was something you wore around your you see that WN WN If you were caught as speaking Welsh in in the, you know, playtime, you had to wear this. And the only way you could get... And at the end of the day, if you were wearing this, you would be caned. And the one way out of this was to catch someone else speaking Welsh, and then you could hand it over to them, and they would be caned. This was part of the education of the late 19th century and early 20th century, and people felt that. And it bred a hatred in their hearts towards English people, for instance. And English people at times looked down on Welsh people and people felt that. They felt that. There was hatred going all around and there was an ugliness in that hatred. Same is true of the ancient world. I just want to uh, prove my point that this is a reality. The ancient world. The Greek thinkers really educated, would look down on everyone who wasn't educated. They were educated, the plebs, we still use that word, the plebeians, the plebs weren't educated, there could be no unity between them. Jewish leaders, we read this in the, in the New Testament, look down on anyone who wasn't Jewish. They were filled with pride about their jewish culture but not just about their jewish culture but they looked down on anyone who wasn't one of the key prayers was lord i thank you that you didn't make me a gentile or a woman true incredible bias hatred in the society at that time and being religious in and of itself didn't answer the problem as we've seen in that illustration So I want to ask a few questions and come to a few conclusions this morning on the basis of Ephesians chapter 2. And the first thing I want to ask is this. Does this mean that all national culture is wrong? Does it mean that I can't be proud of my own nation? No, not at all. I want to tell you variety is the spice of life. And God made us different. God made us different. He gave us different colors. He gave us different accents. He gave us who we are. Some of us are male, some of us are female. I think that's wonderful. I don't understand females. Great, it's a challenge. It's wonderful. I know Frank understands females now, don't you Frank? After all these years. (laughs) But we don't, but that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I do believe in variety and diversity. I think it's great. And of course, the scripture itself says, uh, Paul is preaching uh, in Acts 17 in Athens, verse 26. He says this, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set out for them and the exact places where they should live. Nations are a plan of God. We don't want just one nation. Nations are good. Nations are good god deals with nations as nations in the old testament sometimes blessing them sometimes judging them all the way through it's good that we are part of a nation and we are different and that is good what i didn't realize in coming to america was that brits and americans were different i I didn't realize we all spoke the same language and then when I came here, I realised, we oh, goodness, we we're quite different. I would say certain things and people would say, oh, goodness, <laughs> you know, and vice versa. And, and you lot would do certain things, so I'd say, what? <laughs> we are different. But it's been a challenge, and let me say after 17 years, it's been wonderful. I love America. I do. I do. Does that mean I hate Wales? No, I love Wales. And I'm looking forward to going back. And I don't see a tension there. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? Just making a basic point to begin with. Now, that doesn't mean that all cultures are sacrosanct and are perfect. That's nonsense. Such a nonsense. I often use the illustration of an Indian culture. When I mean India, I mean India. And in the 18th century, part of the Indian culture and was that if your husband died, then you threw yourself on the bonfire of the, of, of the funeral pyre of your husband. Can you imagine that? That was part of their culture. Now, people say today, oh, well, culture, you can't touch culture. You better hand. If you're going to care for women, if you're going to care for righteousness, you've got to adjust culture. And of course, William Carey, the great Baptist great Baptist uh, missionary, uh, did a lot uh, for that. Foot binding in China. It was part of their culture. Young women had, had their feet bound early on in life so that they could walk in a certain way. It was agony. I don't think that's a good bit of culture. Saying it's cultural is not enough. And we could go on speaking about these issues. But generally speaking, generally speaking, it's good. It's good. we made nations. Let's enjoy. I enjoy the fact, as you know, that we have so many nations here uh, this morning. Second question is this. When does pride of your own nation get wrong when does it get wrong and i'm asking that question because the answer is here in our text i like to see what the bible says about various things and it's strongly hinted in the text verse 11 turn to it therefore remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision. Did you hear that? It was (laughs) name-calling. They're the uncircumcised. It was a name-calling by those who call themselves the circumcision. And the name-calling bit continues in the history of racism throughout the world. Name-calling, putting people in a certain way, bringing them down by summing them up. Many of us have been subject to that. The Irish were subject to name-calling when they came here. I am not going to say what people, what they called anybody. Okay, you can look it up yourself. The Italians were called certain things when they came here. The Chinese african-americans and we could go on and some of those negative names have stayed and sometimes they're used in an awful way an awful way and some people say well it's just words no they're not words are not just words words are powerful things powerful things you know words are powerful Those of you who say, well, words are just words and it doesn't matter. Let me tell you, when your girlfriend or your boyfriend says, I don't love you anymore, you try saying to yourself, oh, that's only words, you try saying that. It's only words, no, it's not. Words are full of meaning and full of power and they can be put down and encouragement. How many times in life have we been encouraged by words? Someone has said something. Even this week, I think of this week and someone phoned me and really encouraged me this week. Not from the church, not from... uh, Just just somebody uh, I, I didn't know. And they phoned and we talked. I was so encouraged. I don't say they're just words. They weren't just words. They were encouragement. I felt better afterwards. And we need that. That's why we got fellowship. That's why we got it. And negative words can bring you down. Now, on the Welsh side... Sometimes we'd call English SICE. SICE. And uh, SICE, in and of itself, it just means English person. SICE just means. But the way it's often said by some people, it's derogatory. Oh, SICE. <laughs> and you know, Christians would say that. I tell you, that's wrong. That's wrong. Even though there might be some sort of history uh, behind that, that's wrong. When I came to this country, I discovered a a word I'd never come across. And the term is to Welsh. Do you know that? Have you ever heard that term, to Welsh? Am I to say whether just words? I actually do say just words because there's too many things in life. I can't get upset by everything and I don't. Okay? As you know, I just carry on through life. But you know, to Welsh means to trick, to steal, to deceive to Welsh someone. <laughs> Do you know, I don't think it's useful if you want to get an old me. <laughs> it's not a great way of building relationship. Do you get the point I'm trying to make? <laughs> all right? If someone does say that, they don't. I don't I, okay, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The same can be true. And I want to move this, you see, from just talking about the whole area of race, of talking about all the different things that divide us as Christians this can happen as churches it can happen we compare one church to another church and you know and because it's a bit different to our church we condemn them for who they are no it's it's fair enough to be critical at times you're looking for a church to go to and you're thinking what church and you've got to be critical and judge, yeah of course that's that's the case but sometimes you know it, it it gets to argument about non-essentials non-essentials there used to be the whole the whole big thing uh, in wales when i became a christian uh, was you know because i was a plymouth brethren we, we thought we were the only ones that were right plymouth brethren or we were you know everyone else all oh, maybe they're saved but only just <laughs> we sort of had this looking down feeling on everybody else we were the ones who knew the scripture king james of course King James, of course, only we know the scripture. They didn't. They didn't know as well as we did. What was? It was just pride. It was just pride. And it brought people apart, not brought them together. It separated people. All these different terms. It can happen on all different areas. Third question. How then do you bring the barriers down? Whatever barriers they are, there might be barriers of race, barriers of class. In Britain, we all have a whole class system and things like that, and other, other nations as well have this class system. How do we bring these things down? The one dealt with here is the, is the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile, because that was the most important barrier they had to deal with in the early church. And there was a barrier. And this is what Paul says. Verse 14, listen to these words. They're great words. Speaking of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. And the wall here is not the wall between God, God and man. Now, he deals with that in other places. This is the wall between man and man, between nation and nation. He is not speaking of the vertical divide here, although that is the case, as we've noted, but he's speaking of the horizontal divide that we have and the message of christianity is all about firstly our relationship with god being brought back but it's also about our relationship with other human beings being brought together as well the barrier says says paul has been broken has been brought down it's been brought down do you remember the 1980s the coming down of the berlin wall That wall has stood as a symbol, not of racism so much, but of political uh, divide uh, in those years. Now, I remember watching the the TV as the first part came down. I think that is one of the first pictures of the wall being broken down. And there's been some problems between East and West Germany as they've tried to get together, but there was this rejoicing that something that divided them was now being broken down. Division was being broken down. You see, in. By the way, I do have a little piece of the Berlin Wall. I do have a piece of the Berlin Wall. And, and if you want to touch it, it's just $10. And um, which will. Or I, I'll take a check and you can give it to me as well, okay? But, but that's besides the point. It will all go to a good cause. Food. Anyway, but that's besides the point. You get the same sort of divisions and walls even in the Jewish temple. Certain places, no Gentiles. Certain places, no women. Keep your distance, only us. In other words, people didn't want to be like everyone else. They wanted to be better. They wanted other people to be second-class citizens. In Christ, you are first-class citizens, every one of you. Every one of you. Whoever you are, whatever your age whatever your education, whatever your accent, wherever you're from, whether you've seen yourself as a success in life or you've felt that you've blown it, you are, you are one in Christ Jesus. One. He loves you. He loves you. He loves each and every one of you with an unending and everlasting love. And that comes to our last point this morning. Our unity is found in Christ. And I want to add our identity as well is found in Christ. There is a barrier that comes. There are, I'd rather say barriers, that come between people. Race is being talked about more often lately. But as I've said, this can include politics, include different backgrounds, different cultures, It can be all sorts of education. It could be all sorts of things. Listen to what he says again. Verse 12, 13, and part of 14. Remember that at one time you were separate. He's speaking to the Gentiles. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. That's not, not a good description. Not a good place to be verse 13. but now in Christ you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ he himself is our peace we have been brought together brought together you Americans out there I am your Welsh brother (laughs) I am your Welsh brother You Africans out there. I am your Welsh brother. I am. And you are my sisters and brothers in Christ. You who are better educated than me are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You who have got more money than I have are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those of you who are different to me those of you who are not male and female, you are my sisters in Christ. We are one in Christ Jesus. We have been brought together. Jesus Christ has brought down that wall. Stop rebuilding it, is the message. Yes. We too were excluded. We were foreigners, without hope, without God far away, but now no longer foreigners and aliens. Verse 19, we are fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household. That's the case. That's the case. We, we are baptised into Christ. In the next few weeks, we're going to have a baptism. That's, I'm looking forward to that. We're going to be baptizing some of our African members into the body of Christ. And that's what counts. That's what counts. We're baptized into Christ, and this is the symbol of that. Listen again to Paul in the passage before us and the words he uses, verse 14. He has made the two one. Verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two. Verse 16, this one body. Verse 18, both have access by one spirit. 21, building joined together. Verse 22, being built together. We are one in Christ. All sorts of people the fulfillment is in christ galatians 3:14 he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to abram might come to the gentiles through christ jesus and then in verse 28 and verse 29 of that chapter i love these you know i love these verses there is neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus hallelujah one in christ jesus one in christ jesus if you belong to christ then you are abram's seed and heirs according to the promise all peoples all classes all colors all cultures and accents one in christ equal access no advantage to one or the other no me first not at all it's us no favoritism no barriers because we're saved by the same Christ the same atonement the same cross we are brothers and sisters together in the same family in Christ and James makes that perfectly clear because we've got to watch up the division of class james 2 the showing of favoritism be careful of class segregation based on wealth education and background that can happen someone comes into church and obviously you know they seem to be pretty well off they're pretty charming or whatever and you know people might make a a fuss of them oh oh this would be good good for tithing Mm, lovely you know make sure we get on make sure we got them because if they tithe, that would be great then someone might come in and maybe they don't have that much money. Maybe, maybe it's obvious. I, well, we don't know. And people, people don't make as much fuss. That's segregation. That's wrong. We are one in Christ. No favoritism. None at all. The church over the years, of course, has had its blind spots. We still have. We'll know in a few years what the blind spots are. OK, sometimes you don't realise what your blind spots are. But when we begin to see things, we need to wake up to that. One of the joys I've had over the last few weeks, and just to note, of course, that uh, Lorraine Brown is, is in rehab at the moment in, in Danvers. I think I'm right with that, Danvers. You can ask me uh, or Kathy about the name of the place, Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne in Danvers. And over the last few weeks, as I've been visiting her at home, One of the things we've been doing is talking about our childhoods fascinating now for those of you who don't know Lorraine is Mohawk okay she's a one Native American from Canada and uh, she was telling me about what it was like to be brought up as a Native American in Canada fascinating fascinating and the things that have been on the news lately she said her parents were involved in some of those things. When they were taken out of the reservation and having to be put in these sort of schools or whatever and you hear it it's just generation away and she was talking about it was fascinating let me tell you this when people get older don't ignore them learn from them learn from them they have something to pass down our generation is something gone wrong where we think it's only the young people who've got the answers no 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 they have some of the answers and we need them older people have answers as well because they've been through this I'm saying that because I'm getting older and I'll be 65 in about two months. So, you know, I I want more respect when I'm 65, okay? (laughs) But here's the point we want to make. In Christ, in Christ, we are one. Let's act as if we're one. Let's show the world outside. In a broken world, it's a broken world. We all know that. We all know that. Division, all sorts of things going on. Let's show in the church how much we care for one another, whatever the background, whatever the differences are. It's been a great joy to me. During this time of political, you can imagine how politically, um, what's the word, polarized the nation has been. The church is one, one in Christ. We're not a Republican church. We're We're not a Democratic church. We're not even an independent church. All right. That's not the important thing. The important thing for us is that we are in Christ. It's not important that we're white or we're black or that we're a bit of this colour, a bit of that colour. That's, that's becoming a problem these days, the whole colourisation issue. That's not our issue. Our issue is that we're one in Christ. We have the same salvation and we will spend eternity together on a new heaven and a new earth. And that's great. And that's good. And you know what it isn't? It's not ugly. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's seek to bring the beauty of God into the society of the church. Or to continue to do that. To continue to do that. And to show that yes, in Christ, we are one. Wherever we've come from, whoever we are let's pray together heavenly father thank you for your goodness and your mercy thank you for your forgiveness you've brought us into christ you've given us new hope and a new start for that oh god today we are truly truly thankful in jesus name we pray amen and we end with martin luther king jr's favorite.